This podcast is brought to you by Bet Rivers. Download the Bet Rivers app from the App Store or Google Play Store. Must be 21. Available in Ohio only. Void where prohibited. Terms and conditions apply. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler. Sports gaming is provided in partnership with Dayton Real Estate Ventures, LLC, DBA, Hollywood Gaming at Dayton Raceway. Let's go to the bullpen with Adam the Bull on the Bet Rivers Network. We're talking with the great Terry Francona. I know everybody poo-poos baseball fights. They're like, hey, you go out there and everybody's just talking yeah. and shoving. But when you get out there, man, those guys are big. They they get after yeah. it. And when they get after it, man, look out. It makes you a little nervous. Robin Ventura still won't talk about Nolan Ryan to, to this day. He, he wants <laughs> nothing with that conversation. Listen to the bullpen with Adam the Bull on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. It's the Mike Francesa Podcast on the Bet Rivers Network. Hello again, everybody, and welcome to the Mike Francesa Podcast. As we begin or head towards another uh, August weekend, football right around the corner, and we have some very interesting things for you coming up this football season. We'll tell you more about it in the days and a couple of weeks to come, uh, but we'll install them for the football season. Uh, just make sure you have the Bet Rivers app and use Bet Rivers for all of your wagering needs and you'll be ready to go you won't miss a second of it so that's it just have the bet rivers app and you're covered uh just get that new and improved app put it up and away you go so um a couple things here first before we get to the sports um if you have followed uh our racing exploits uh, i know a lot of you do um you know the saga of high oak high oak was uh a very, very promising two-year-old who won the Saratoga, won his first race, won the Saratoga Special in his second race by four and a half lengths, uh, beat Gunite, who has become a very uh, good sprinter, as a matter of fact. Uh, he and Elite Power will tangle in the forego. But not just Elite Power and uh, Gunite will tangle in the forego Saturday on the Travis card. There's five grade ones, including the Travis. Uh, so it's a great day of racing at Saratoga. But High Oak will run in the forego. So in the grade one at Saratoga, where he won the Saratoga Special as a two-year-old, as you probably know, we thought he had a very good chance to be a prominent factor in the Derby. He went down to start his three-year-old campaign in uh, Gulfstream at the, in the Fountain of Youth. He suffered a terrible spill, did a somersault, lucky he didn't break his neck, uh, he didn't race again that year. We gave him the rest of the year off. Uh, we tried to bring him back. As we brought him back, he just showed no interest in racing. We didn't know if he was scared, psychologically scarred. Uh, we just could not get him to seem like he was involved. He was training well. He looks the part of a champion. He's a gorgeous horse. Um, and then at Saratoga this summer, we put Katie Davis on her on him and in his last race he looked like the old high oak he went from uh, last almost won the race if there had been two more jumps he would have run the race he finished second and now he's been training superbly uh he loves saratoga and this horse who we didn't know if he'd ever run again or ever run successfully again a horse that had been so promising as a two-year-old will now run in the grade one forego on Saturday. It's an incredible story. It really is with Katie Davis aboard. She's earned the right. We're not going to a superstar jockey. We're giving her the mount. 
She deserves the mount. She has connected with the horse. She got him to run again. Uh, so she will be on them on Saturday in their select field of five against two of the better ones in the country, Gunite and Elite Power, who's the best sprinter in the country, and or very close to it. And uh, Gunite, a horse that High Oak beat in the Saratoga Special, Gunite came back and won the hopeful over an off track uh, a couple weeks later, but and is a wonderful, wonderful colt. But um, uh, should be very interesting. It's an amazing story. It's an amazing story with Katie Davis. It's an amazing story of a comeback. Uh, so uh, we're very excited about that. We'll see how things go on Saturday. All right, the Yankees didn't go back and you know and and touch nineteen thirteen as everyone wondered if they would with the tenth straight loss. Judge obviously uh, got things going last night. Got them a lead for the first time in sixty one innings with a long home run in the first inning. Got a grand slammer to open the game up and then added a third home run. So a very big night for Judge. We know Judge isn't the issue. We know Judge isn't the problem. Uh, But they have a lot of problems, as Cashman alluded to yesterday, in probably the oddest public appearance of his career. He had to get up and basically uh, take it on the chin and say, hey, we're awful, we're disappointed, we're all on the line, we all have to look at ourselves, you know, do the whole mea culpa yesterday as the Yankees had lost nine in a row. Now they have a one-game winning streak, and they don't call themselves out of it. But let's be honest, the Yankees aren't going anywhere this year. We know that. Uh, It'll be interesting to see if they even finish with a winning record. It's going to be touch and go for that, as a matter of fact. But uh, there needs to be Wholesale changes, I do not think Cashman, who just signed a new contract last winter, is going to be part of the uh, changes in any way. Um, I don't know if Boone is going to be. I think there's a distinct possibility you change the manager just just to be just to kind of wipe out this year. You know, it's easy to blame the manager, folks, and he is the least of the problems. The manager is always the least of the problems. It's on the configuration of the team, and it's on the players. It's, it, the manager is not usually the issue. Very rarely is he the issue where he's so inept that he has to be replaced or he doesn't connect. Usually it's that basically <clears throat> a couple of the stars have gotten tired of hearing from him. That's basically what happens, so they change it. I think they probably will change the manager just because they want to distance themselves from this season more than anything else. But they need to examine what their plan is, and their plan has to be to get younger. And I'll tell you something. Their prospects don't look great. Their youngsters don't go- I think Volpe's going to be a good player. I think he's withstood a lot of this season. He's withstood two or three slumps. He's a heads-up player. He has not let his defense falter whenever he has been hurting at the plate. He's danced every dance. He's going to finish with good power numbers. He's going to finish with good defensive numbers. And you know what? He's a player. I don't, I'm not ready to tell you he's a star, but he's a player. And he's an everyday player. Uh, and he's a heads-up player. So uh, he, he's done okay. Not great, but okay. And, you know, the Yankees are covered there. The other youngsters, you know, the Yankees always overrate their youngsters. So we'll wait and see. I don't see anything eye-catching. I don't think any, I see anything special. Let me see more of them, and we'll see. The Yankees have to get younger. They need to get rid of some older players. 
There's no question about that. And whether that is, it's definitely got to be Donaldson, but whether it's Rizzo, whether it's LeMayu, Stanton's not going anywhere because no one's touching that contract. The bottom line is they need to get younger. They need to bring in some balance in the lineup and get some left-handed hitters, both power and on base. And they desperately need a leadoff hitter. Their inability to get on base is a huge issue, and they haven't had really good table setters, and they need one to put in front of Judge. They need two, and bat Judge third. That's what I would do. You know, and I'd put two guys in front of him so that in the first inning or the next time he comes up, if you want to walk him, you know, a lot of times if there's a guy on base, you want to walk him, then you got a couple of guys on base, and you still got a chance for the next guy to break the game open if they pitch around him. Last night, they couldn't pitch around him, and you saw what happened. He got a stroke going. You know, he had been in a slump. He had seen some balls die on the track in the, in the last couple of days, and then last night, they weren't dying on the track, that's for sure, as he hit three home runs, which is, hey, whenever you hit three home runs, it's a big night. I don't care who you are. It's a big night, even Judge. So that was a special night. And, but it's one game against a bad team. That's all it is in what is a dreadful, dreadful season. And you saw the first, you know, self-examination of many self-examinations yesterday with Cashman. He said that Hal and he and Boone had met. They would examine everything. Everybody will be under review. I don't, they'll all be under review. Cashman's not going anywhere. Like I said, very good chance Boone goes somewhere just because it's very easy to change the manager. Very easy. And it's the least of the problems. And it's the easiest thing to do. And it looks like major change to the fan base. That's why it happens so often when a team has a bad year. Because it's the easy, most cosmetic, most obvious thing to do. And it doesn't cost a lot. It doesn't hurt anything. And... It's always easy to do. The other stuff is hard to do. It's hard to get rid of players. It's hard to get rid of players with big contracts. It's hard to change the face of your team. That's hard. Getting rid of the manager is easy. Especially when he hasn't won anything. But the Yankees haven't won anything. It's not that Boone hasn't won anything. The Yankees haven't won anything because they've been badly, badly put together for years. And it has finally come to a head. So hopefully the Yankees acknowledge where they've made their mistakes and look in the mirror and go back and think about how a Yankee team is supposed to be built in the ballpark they play in and stop overloading this team with right-handed bats, which has been going on for years now. I mean, that is so against any part of the Yankee tradition. It's got to stop. Now we're heading towards, with the Mets, I don't have much to say. Listen, I've said it to you more than once. I could talk now about Alonzo trade rumors and everything else. There is a campaign going on that is anti-Alonzo. It's not fair. He's getting way too much of the blame. And remember, 
you be careful before you trade a guy who dances every dance and is capable of putting up 45, 120 every single year. Those guys don't come around every day. So if you're going to deal him, you better get a truckload of talent back. Or it will be a big mistake that you will see, visibly see, every single day. Now, I know the Mets fans, especially, even more so than the Yankee fans, have been, because the Yankees have judged, have been dreaming of Atani and this idea that, oh, Cohen's money's going to bring him here. I never thought it would. And now that you have the very good chance that he needs surgery on his arm again, the pitching experiment will probably go by the boards for the foreseeable future and maybe forever. Who knows? So he will become a slugger. Not that he isn't a premier slugger. He shows that he is. But the unique quality that he brought to the sport, the ability to also pitch, is over for the foreseeable future. And who knows where this takes him. If he needs Tommy John, we don't know yet. We do know that he has a a ligament there. So he has been shut down from that standpoint, obviously, and we will see what that means for him going forward. Did it cost him some money? It has to because it takes away that dual capability that everyone finds so attractive. Has it ever produced victories or produced anything positive for the team? No. But it's a good show, and that's what it's been. Not that he isn't very good at what he does. He is. But, I mean, the Angels have had a Tony and Trout, and they can't get out of their own way. Baseball's a tricky game. Teams have to have certain qualities to win. And very rarely can it be just about one player. Of course, a lot of great players have been on bad teams. Check out how many World Series Ted Williams played in. And nobody was better. There was no better hitter. We head towards the giant jet game, which this year, it's always the one pay attention moment of the preseason. You always pay attention to the giant jet game, even if it's just the first half, because usually it's a good dress rehearsal. And then when it was announced that Rodgers would play. Now, nobody has said how long Rodgers will play. If the Giants get through and hit him and hit him hard one time, he's going to be out of the game. I mean, you can can take that to the bank. So if there's a breakdown on that line one time early in the game, he'll be in there for one or two series. Would he play a quarter? I doubt it. Would he play two series? Probably. Who knows? I don't know what's in his head. I think he wants to get on the field. I think he wanted to fill the ballpark. I think he wanted, uh, which I think he clearly will. I think he wanted to hear the fans and just get, you know, a couple of snaps under his belt and get ready for the regular season and just feel what it's like. And he will bring a lot to this game because of that. You know, you usually see most of the starters for a good part of the first half in this game, and then that's it. Or a quarter, whatever, depending on the player. I mean, if a player has a little bit of an injury, he's not playing. And if he 
you know, if he's somebody that you worry about injury-wise, then you don't play him. I mean, that's all there is to it. But he's going to see the field. I know people say, oh, he's going to get hurt. Well, we don't know that. You never know that. That's silly. He could get hurt in practice. So, I mean, the bottom line is you don't worry about that. But he's not going. You better be in your seat for the start of the game because I'm sure he's not going to be in there very long. So it is really much ado about very little. But at least you will finally see some live action with him and have a couple of moments with that. And let's be honest. The Jets are loaded in certain spots. You love a lot of their skilled people. Have Aaron Rodgers a quarterback. You're only worried about that offensive line, and you're going to be worried about it right from the get-go. From the first moment of day one, when the regular season starts, all season is going to be what we talk about because they have got to make sure they can protect him. And listen, he'll get rid of the ball lightning quick on first down, second down, but on third and ten, he's going to need some help. He's going to have to get protection. And game one is going to be a very, very good test for that. And we're just not going to know. That, like I said, all season, there's a lot of things to really like about the Jets. And there's two things that worry you, at least worry me, and that is the offensive line and whether or not the coaching staff is up to this. They have to prove they're that kind of coaching staff, that they're able to take a team a long way because you're asking them to basically take a quantum leap here, not, not a little leap, a very big leap from being a losing franchise to being a prominent franchise that can go deep into the playoffs, not just show up in the playoffs, but go into the playoffs with a chance to do something. So that's asking a lot in one season. That's a very, very big leap for a lot of players, and there's a lot of players there. Now, there's some players there that obviously have experience, but there's players there that have none, a lot of them, a lot of key ones. Well, Rodgers can bring a lot of that forward. He can push a lot of that forward. The question is, can he carry the entire thing forward? and overcome some of the things that may have to be overcome on the offensive line in the coaching staff. Remains to be seen. But I tell you, it's going to be a fascinating year. I know I told you we'd start to do football and do it in depth. I have a lot to say about the Giants, but I'm not going to say it here today. We're going to wait. We have a lot of time still. We've got a couple of weeks until the season starts. I mean, the summer just shoots by so quickly, it's unbelievable. You know what? But August is almost in the books. And then before you know it, it'll be time for a football Friday. We're looking forward to it. And as I said, we got a lot of things to tell you about that are going to be new uh, with the folks at Bet Rivers this year. And some of the things we're going to do, we're going to tell you all about that in the Days and weeks to come. So all that is straight ahead of us. Your emails, when we return. You're listening to the Mike Francesa Podcast on the Bet Rivers Network. Send your emails to Mike Francesa Podcast at gmail.com. 
Com. Here we go, Jonathan. As bad as the Mets are now, even though they have played a bit better of late, and as bad as they might be next year, uh, do you still think right now they're in better shape long term than the Yankees are? Um, do you still think? I don't remember saying that they were in better shape than the Yankees right now. Um, I think the Yankees are in better shape for next year because of the people they have on the contract in terms of the starting pitching. And the bullpen. The Yankees have better pitching. If they're healthy. Now, the Yankees are number three in the league in games lost injuries this year. Remember, the Dodgers are number one. They're over 30 games, over 500. So it can be done. I think it's, Yan- I think it's Dodgers, Angels, Yankees. A one, two, three. Um, I would say for next year. Now, long-term baseball is not because of the money that both teams have and their ability to sign free agents, you can't look at the team more than one year down the line. I mean, I don't see great prospects in either franchise as far as youngsters. I don't look at the farm. Neither farm system is rated that highly. I don't see any pitching in the Mets farm system. And the Yankees have better guys under contract. They have a starting rotation on the contract. The Mets don't. That's what makes them better next year. Uh, the problem for the Mets next year is, right now, really, if you're going to tell me they have two guys that you can count on to win next year. Now, forget win. I think is going to be a good pitcher. I think he's close now. I think he'll learn the ropes. I think he'll be better on the road. I think he'll uh, adjust and be more reliant and more fastball-oriented in the future, okay? I think that's big. Uh, Quintana, if you want to count on him, he's pitched okay, but okay, not great. If you want to tell me he's the back of the rotation, fine. If you can tell me he's the front of the rotation and saying Quintana at the top of the rotation, well, you're in big trouble. If they're three and four, I'm okay. If they're one and two, you're in big trouble. And right now, they're the only two guys you can count on. Now, they have a lot of money, so they can buy a couple of guys. But how good a starting rotation are they going to have? They're going to get Diaz back, which is big. Okay? And you can build a bullpen in one year. But they just don't have any starting pitching. And you can't call a team a, a, a contender if it doesn't have any starting pitching. John, are you surprised the Yankees never made a play for Schwarber? Hey, I wanted to make a play for Schwarber a thousand times. A thousand times. I wanted him to get Olsen, who I picked to win the MVP this year before the year started. He's not going to win it. He's going to finish second because of the year Acuna has had. But he's had a great year. He might wind up leading in baseball in home runs and RBIs. Uh, Olsen made a ton of sense. Schwarber always made sense. He was perfect for them. But, you know, it never happened. He would have been great with the Yankees. I wanted him. He's a legitimate, legitimate guy who would he'd be a monster in Yankee Stadium. He's a monster anyway. He'd be a monster in Yankee Stadium without any question. What is it that the Mets don't like about Alonzo? I really don't understand why there's so much smoke around Alonzo. I hope that he's a Met for life. Maybe, that, maybe that's not happening. Um, there's no question there's a campaign going on against Alonzo. 
I'm not saying Alonzo didn't change. I'm not saying he didn't have some confrontations. I'm not saying any of that. What I'm saying is it sure isn't his fault every day. And the bottom line is he plays every day and he slugs every day. And you want guys like that around. So I do think there's a bit of a campaign going on, and, it's, and I don't think it's very fair. Uh, Doug, any reaction to the debate last night? Yes, I watched the debate last night. I would have liked it if Trump was there. It would be more uh, entertaining. But let me say this. As far as the debate last night, um, I thought the best answers were given by Nikki Haley. I think a couple of guys on that... uh, at the podium last night, might as well not even show up again. Uh, I think uh, Christie's got a long, long, hard road to even make a dent. Same thing. I don't think uh, think Pence has a chance. Uh, I don't think anybody gained a lot of traction last night. But to me, here's what's comical. If you turn on TV after the debate, and I watch the debate because I like that stuff. If you turn on TV after the debate, tell me where you can go on television and get an objective analysis. It's don't even try. If you go to MSNBC, you wouldn't even know there was a debate. If you get them at CNN to mention it, you know it's skewed. And then Fox is so much the other way. The three of them are a joke. Fox, CNN, MSNBC, they're all so biased. One way or the other. The idea, and they all criticize each other for being so biased, and they're all so biased, it is almost disgraceful. It's a joke. You cannot watch any of them for objective news. There is no place to go for objective news anymore. You might as well make your own decisions because every bit of news you get on cable, forget, is so rigidly slanted. It is a joke. You know on Fox that everything Biden does is the worst thing that ever happened. And you know on MSNBC that everything Trump has ever done is the worst thing that could ever be done. And, you know, he should be thrown in the jail and throw away the key. Uh, so you know that it is so unbelievably biased. It is a joke. It, it's amazing how poor and how biased the coverage is. I would like to go to a place where you, somebody would not insult your intelligence and give an objective opinion about anything, anything. But when you're dealing with politics, it's impossible to find. Everybody's got an angle. And that's the way it sells because otherwise it doesn't sell. They only get the viewers that sing their song. So if you are a dyed-in-the-wall Democrat, you're going to watch MSNBC. And if you are a dyed-in-the-wall Republican and you're a Trump guy, you're going to watch Fox News. That's just the way it is. So that's why I watch CNBC and worry about the stocks. You know, and just cheer for NVIDIA like always. Um, That's my reaction to the debate.
Uh, I know preseason means nothing, but it looks like Daniel Jones has a target. He really likes him. Waller's going to have a great season. He was an incredible pickup. He's going to catch 90 balls, and that might be light. He is going to make things much, much more comfortable for Daniel Jones. He is going to be a very, very comfortable target, an available target, a very productive target. And if you can be available and productive, bingo, bingo, bingo. That's it, and that's going to happen. Giants are going to be better. There's no question. They're going to be better on offense. They're going to be better on defense. The problem is that the Giants overachieved last year. They stole games with their coaching and some clutch play that they never, ever had a right winning. Now they're going to face a tougher schedule, and the ball might not go their way as it did last year. I mean, when you realize, I think the Giants were better coached than any team in the league last year. That's how good I thought the coaching was. That's how good the head coach was. That's how good the defensive coordinator was. And the defensive coordinator was a star last year. He was an, a flat-out star. And they were a great combination. And as I said, I thought they were better coached in terms of game plan, in terms of preparation, in terms of getting what you can out of your talent. I thought they were the best coached team in the league last year. So I think their coaching is superior. I think they are building something that is going to be very good I think they could be better, but not have a better record. I think that's very, very possible. I think the Jets, it would be very disappointing if they don't go to the playoffs. And I think Aaron Rodgers is going to have a very, very big year. But I do, do worry enormously about the offensive line. And yes, preseason the way it is structured now, the way training camp is, you know, training camp used to be a state of mind. Training camp used to be something the players dreaded, something the coaches loved. The idea of, you know, especially in the days when you took your team away and you put them in a college dorm, even when the Giants up in Albany, you know, and put them in a dorm and put them away from everybody. And had two-a-days. Two-a-days. Remember two-a-days? Now they don't even practice hard. Now you're lucky if you see contact, you know, at all. If you go there to see training camp. I mean, you're lucky if you see anything. See a bunch of drills. I mean, you used to get 90 minutes of running game in the air in the morning and then a two-hour practice in the searing heat in the afternoon. I mean, those were the days. Training camp is now, you know, is now like day camp. But that's why the season gets off to a slow start. That's why you see a lot of missed tackles. You see a lot of sloppy play. You see a lot of special teams touchdowns because these guys have to meld the team. As the season progresses now, they can't do it with training camp anymore. And in the old days, I think a lot of times guys knew when they left training camp what kind of team they have. There's no way they know now. Now they need two or three games minimum to know if they, what kind of team they have. They never knew. They never needed that in the past. They now do because training camp doesn't allow them that look at their team anymore. 
because of the way it's structured. I mean, the sport has changed radically. We know that. But nothing has changed more than training camp. And if you ever had a chance to experience what training camp used to be like, I'm not talking about the days when now, you know, they have their own training center adjacent to their regular facility and they don't go anywhere and everything. No, I'm talking about the old days when they used to pack up and, you know, take off and go somewhere and go to a college and put in, you know, six hard weeks or five and a half hard weeks. Those days are gone. We'll see you later. Thanks for listening to the Mike Francesa podcast on the Bet Rivers Network. If you're a tennis fan, you'll love betting weekly game bet match on the Bet Rivers Network. Whether you're a better or just love tennis, you'll enjoy the in depth analysis each week of the tennis calendar. Subscribe to Game Bet Match today from your favorite podcast provider.